Welcome to Here Nor There, a podcast series currently being produced during a media residency at the Western Front, one of Vancouver's longest-standing artist-run centres. Informed by this context, the series is interested in the politics that inform the energy and formation of cross-disciplinary DIY creative communities in this city. The following episodes will feature conversations and other content from emerging artists, musicians, organizers, curators, and writers. This series is hosted, produced, written, and edited by myself, Gabby Dow. On this episode, I will be talking to Tom Whelan, a musician and artist who I've seen perform under an eclectic variety of acts, New Vaders, Culture Beast, and Tommy Tone. We'll be listening to the clips of these various projects throughout the episode. always listened to a lot of electronic music uh, or been interested in like ambient music and stuff like that. I, I started making uh, music with synthesizers at home or recording to tape and uh, eventually I started using a computer to make it too. He's recently come back from living in Tokyo and what unfolds here is a conversation where I pick his brains about his various creative projects. Often they are satirical and performative electronic music characters. They emerge from a minimal material but a maximal delivery kind of sensibility. I'm curious to hear how Tokyo and Vancouver inform these characters, cultures around EDM, the effectiveness of satire, and the idea of performance in electronic music. I was taking a class that was uh, 
all about the future of electronic music performance. And uh, because the, the future of electronic music performance is you get this controller and you program the controller to do all the things is the opposite of all everything we know about instruments so far is like here's the instrument and here's the confines of the instrument right here's the sounds the instrument can make but it can't make some sounds too so learning a controller is like well what sounds do you want to make and i found it shockingly too open-ended there's also i mean especially because of popular culture about like EDM, like that Zac Efron movie too, that We Are Your Friends movie. These are different for us. You can invent an app, start a blog, sell things online. My friends and I, we promote parties. Bring your friends. Bring Those were some excerpts from the We Are Your Friends trailer, starring Zac Efron as a young DJ in San Fernando Valley, LA. An app synopsis of this film portrays this DJ protagonist and his all-white, all-male friends working as low-level party promoters. Can you play Drunk in Love? Absolutely not. This film seems to be marketed exclusively to coming-of-age millennials in 2015 and perpetuates the darkest pulses of misogyny in capitalistic endeavors in EDM music. All this focus on, like, it has to be live. It has to be like spontaneous. Mm-hmm. It's very, very calculated mm-hmm. beforehand. And there's this focus on electronic music performance being like in the moment. Right. When the history of electronic music is like, well, I made this uh, tape piece that took uh, four years and yeah. uh, I put it in a tape machine and I play it at a concert. And it's, it's supposed to be premeditated, mm-hmm. you know? Like, so that was my point is that there's no performance, like, there's no live performance. This is the performance. It's just right. me lying down. To preface this, Tom and I are referring to one of the first performances I saw of him as New Vegas, where in the middle of his set, he lay on his back on the floor. In front of the audience, he checked Facebook on his phone. We couldn't tell if the performance was over or not.
listen to the thing mm-hmm. instead of looking at me. Right. Because I'm not important right now. <laughs> I think I'm going to keep lying down for right. for uh, performance because it's just it's just extra rest that I can get. You use humor, in my opinion, quite successfully to mm-hmm. engage in those sorts of really kind of like I I feel like really contemporary relationships to like music and and recording and having those materials that you've recorded uh, mm-hmm. so immediately available and mm-hmm. widely distributed on the internet. Can you talk about humor in that in that way? Yeah, I love humor. I mm-hmm. love to laugh. Uh, and a lot of my inspiration for art in general comes right. from humor. Uh, I listened to a lot of comedy growing up mm-hmm. and uh i think my dad is a pretty funny person <laughs> but um yeah it when i was a teenager i was really into like michael moore and being like right. you like yeah and, and also like that's like bush years too mm-hmm. so being like yeah take that george bush mm-hmm. and like <laughs> i now realize it's pretty ineffective i don't think yeah. george bush cared about it uh, and he's deified now as a uh, wonderful uh, painter. It's it's fun to do satire. I'm still wondering about the effectiveness of it. Right. Like if it is still funny. Yeah. And I'm basically sabotaging my own work. But like no, if no, it no. is if it's funny. Right. That's good. But does it make people more complacent or less complacent in like the, right. the thing you are trying to call out? Yeah. Like when I when I did Culture Beast, which was a series of like videos. Mm-hmm. Uh made by a fake uh, tech firm. I was working at a music school mm-hmm. and uh, I had lost all my love of music. <laughs> and then right. I got a job in music and mm-hmm. I got to see how the sausage was made. Lose your I was all full of sausage. I didn't want to eat anymore. Right. And it was really, it was really um, like uncomfortable for me. And I saw a lot of like, sexism and like right. homophobia and, right. and racism and on top of just like systemic <laughs> homophobia like, and sexism right. and racism and uh i was i was just like i would i would have to listen all day right too and so i'd get home and i'd be like i don't want to do this i want to learn motion graphics okay. so i started making like ridiculous promos that made no sense right and uh and also just reading a lot of tech news. And, and so, yeah, that's that's how I got interested in doing Culture Beat. En had toen iets verkeerds gedaan. Ik maakte misschien een dub te veel, want de meters vlogen uit mijn mengpaneel. Maar jongens, daarom niet getrukt. Er is toch echt geen ramp gebeurd. Ik was trying to give awareness to this like creeping problem. Culminated in this in a like Macworld Expo style keynote speech right. with an appearance by the CEO. Mm-hmm. And uh yeah, it would be fun to do another project like that. Right. So Culture Beast has been um, dormant. Yes. For a while. I think it's a, it failed. I don't think it actually did anything. It was like pretty Aww. funny. No, it was pretty funny. Right. No, it was hilarious. Right. Okay. So it did that. When when I did have like events for it, there's a lot of people right. who worked in the tech sector who showed up who were like, really? It's... Did you invite them or how did they find yeah, out about some this? Of them 
friends of mine. Oh, okay, right, right, right. But they were like, it's so true. And I'm like, yeah, that's why I'm doing it. Like, right. it's, it becomes this, it becomes this perpetual loop right. of like, uh, yeah, people are like, you're just telling it how it is. And it's like, yeah, this is <laughs> from you. <laughs> right. Um. So, yeah, I've thought recently a lot about the effectiveness of satire. Right. Um, it still does. It still does make me laugh, which mm-hmm. is good. Because mm-hmm. laughter is the best medicine. It's fun to make something like that and take digs at Red Bull and all right. these other brands that are zeroing in on like th- this new demographic real estate. So, so yeah, I think that was the point of the video. And then also just like, what if the music's bad? Because you go out sometimes, I go out dancing, it's like, mm-hmm. mm, everything was okay, the music was bad. And I mean, like, sometimes it's totally beside the point. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the music is bad. And sometimes there's, uh, there's a big Red Bull ad. Now you're more focusing on Tommy Tone, and you huh. did a lot of Tommy Tone stuff. You've been doing it here, but a lot of Tommy Tone in Japan, mm-hmm. from what I was seeing yeah. through the internet. Yeah. Can you talk about Japan and why Tokyo? And mm-hmm. Yeah, I've always, well, I think since high school, I've been very interested in uh, Japanese music. Right. And uh, any, 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 uh, Highlights? Like mm, you just... I listened to the Boredoms a lot in high school. Right. And I like them. And then, yeah, the more I researched it, like, found out about related acts and found out about music from the 60s mm-hmm. and music from the 70s. During high school, I studied Japanese for four years. Then I forgot a little bit of it and continued studying afterwards uh, just on my own. Right. But I had always wanted to go and uh, I just decided I should uh, quit my job at a supermarket. And right. I got a working holiday visa and went to Japan. I had no plan. Mm-hmm. whatsoever which i don't recommend i was in koenji a lot of the time when you see gentrification most of the time right a lot of the like older people are being kicked out but that's a place where the rent has stayed low so right. people have been able to stay it's a cool trendy place <laughs> but um it's also very affordable i ended up staying at this anarchist run hostel can you remind me the name what was it called again the anarchist hostel is called Manuke Guest House. I found that they were related to a much larger group of people who were part of the people who started uh, 
staging protests after Fukushima happened. There's a lot of other affiliated uh, businesses run by the same group. The group is right. called uh, Shiratono no Lan, and they, uh, like I said, staged a lot of protests after Fukushima, but mm-hmm. uh, they're a pretty like anti-Abe group. I feel they're a political group that wants to they they want more like left wing ideas to be represented in government. Right. Shinzo Abe is the current and re-elected Japanese prime minister and leader of the Liberal Democratic Party. He has been linked to various scandals related to conflicts of interest and imperialist sentiments amongst other accusations. For example, there's a law in Japan that says if you park your bike anywhere like too close to a, an entrance, uh, mm-hmm. it can be seized by the police and then you have to go to the nearest like police box, right. pay a 5,000 uh, 5, yen fine mm-hmm. and you can get it back. But apparently this law is arbitrarily enforced and sometimes police right. will just take your bike. One of the members of this group had their bike taken and then went to the police box and just assembled a group and collected money to get but it was Us. like it was like let's protest to get my bike back and right. like within a short amount of time mm-hmm. they got it back it's not essentially it's not so heavy-handed it's more like let's kind of poke fun right because i and i think i connect with that too because you know satire and like making fun can mm-hmm. can help in a way or at least make people laugh a little right. bit. Right. So yeah, they have a good sense of humor about them. That whole community is really important to me and, and they were really uh they were really kind to me. So right. I feel like whenever I'm there I should help out too. Right. Yeah. And you got involved um in the music scene through the hostel or did they I think the last when we first met when you got back you they helped you write resumes or yeah they helped like one of the staff at the hostel helped me write a cover letter in Japanese and also a lot of the people who work there or go through there are from all over not just from western countries but from Hong Kong or from right Taiwan it's really grateful for for them to help me out like that it sounds like they almost operate like an artistic collective, except yeah. that they run this hostel. That building is really amazing, too, right. because the hostel's on the fourth floor, but on the f- first floor, there's a performance art space and a gallery slash pop-up vintage store. <laughs> but yeah, I, I started playing shows there right. as Tommy Tone. I only played three in Vancouver before I left for, mm-hmm. for Tokyo. Thank <laughs> you. 
So Tommy Tone is kind of scary and kind of funny, but most of the time it's good. I'm not special at all. I want to go and mingle with the audience and like enjoy their company as well. Yeah. My get up is like vibrant ski jacket and this like the ratty wig, wig and yeah. big sunglasses <laughs> and it's like a lot of like shouting and like crooning. Right. But I had some people come up to me afterwards who were like I don't, I didn't know a word of that. I don't know English, but I totally understood right. that. And that makes me uh, feel good about performance and the power right. of performance. You can communicate so much, even just through, yeah, how you act when you, when you play. Right. Yeah. Going back to what you were saying about the sort of history of electronic music performance as being something premeditated i haven't i've listened to a lot of tommy tone but i haven't seen any of the tommy tone performances could mm -hmm. you speak to that sort of premeditation was tommy mm -hmm. tone not like that because it seems it was very um very present well the whole thing is i make all the instrumentals at home right on a computer mm -hmm. and i put it on my phone and then i just plug it in and then plug in like uh my microphone and like echo pedal i think because there's no I'm not playing a live instrument. I kind of have to make up for that. So I have a really long mic cable, and I, I usually try to run the length of the venue or as far as I can go, maybe run into the bathroom if it's close. <laughs> um, just just to make it, like, interesting because right. otherwise it's just kind of boring for me. Right. If I was watching it, it would be a little bit... My mind would start to wander. I made the last album that I made bad to the tone i made that with a laptop i got for just around like 90 dollars. oh my gosh in japan and then i, I got a, a microphone and i had my headphones mm -hmm. but i am all for making stuff as, as cheaply as possible as possible yeah <laughs> I've, I've always wanted to work just with what i have and mm -hmm. and then like maybe upgrade down the line but yeah there's this over fetishization of of gear Mm -hmm. constantly gear so right. i am very proud to make something that sounds good mm -hmm. for very little money right yeah the the diy spirit exactly yeah what was it like for you going there with no plan and then just kind of getting slowly involved in the sort of diy music scene there hmm. i don't know how to feel about it there's so many it's very funny when you look up um when you live in Tokyo and you look up how to do something, like how to pay a bill right, or whatever, because almost always the first thing that comes up is like, hey, I'm Todd, the foreigner living in Japan. It's, oh my it's almost always a dude who looks exactly like me. And uh, it's, it's, it's always like, he's like, I love ramen. I also love sushi. Everything's different here. It's like, yeah, right. I know everything's different here, but I <laughs> have to. So every time... I get asked, like, how is Japan different? I always think, like, am I becoming this guy? Right. I don't want to be this guy. I'm mm -hmm. very aware of it all the time. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, of course, it's totally different. But it's it's fine. And, like, there are things that are similar, too. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I don't know. I think my the, the thing that I'm really happy about is, like, I have faith in, like, 
the young people there, especially right. people who grew up who are like uh, mixed heritage, mm-hmm. because I like unfortunately they received discrimination right, from yeah. people there. It happens here too, mm-hmm. but um, but yeah, I've met some people there who have to deal with that. They're just like, I don't care, because there's so many more people immigrating there too. Right, immigrating there is uh, it's a long process. From where? From there's people who immigrate there from Nepal and from Turkey right. and from China or South Korea or the Philippines. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's in like I talked to the friend of mine who said even in five years there's been like dramatic like change in the amount of foreigners mm-hmm. in the country in Tokyo in, in Tokyo, particular. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, right. everyone wants to live in Tokyo. What do you? What is the draw to Tokyo? Because it's not cheap. As any no. metropolitan city isn't. It's just a big city in the industry I was working in, teaching mm-hmm. English. There's a lot of, there's a lot of business there. Just to switch gears a little bit about micro cosmic scenes happening in Tokyo. Mm-hmm. So you were telling me that there was this one bar club. I believe it was Club Heavy Sick yeah, that that's you the described one. Yeah. as the English teacher bar. It's like a lot of music happening there, but it's definitely a reflection of a particular demographic or a particular mm-hmm. workforce that mm-hmm. was very prominent in Tokyo. Yeah, and that that bar has a lot of English teachers in it who also play music. Right. Like English teacher punk rock or English teacher garage rock. Right, right. Yeah. It's totally a thing. Mm-hmm. Um which but yeah, it's it's really interesting the first few times I went, I went to go see my friend who's an English teacher play with with their band. It seems interesting i think that was my first exposure to like expat communities and they kind of made me feel uncomfortable (laughs) there's a bunch of people together and everyone's like hey how's it going tonight and like like, (laughs) hey how's everybody doing but no one is really speaking japanese i started meeting more and more people who went out of their way to not speak japanese and I was and like, were they expats or were they yeah. visitors? Huh? Yeah, yeah. And people who'd been living in, in Tokyo for 10 or 15 years mm-hmm. and their Japanese was like really bad and they didn't want to speak it. And it feels like entitlement. They're welcome to speak whatever language they want. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I tried to learn as much Japanese as possible mm-hmm. and speak it when people were comfortable. Mm-hmm. If, if people wanted to practice their English with me or they just were more comfortable speaking English, Mm -hmm. we'd switch. To conclude this episode, Tom and I catch up off-site from the studio at a cafe. Yeah, okay, what were we talking about? We were talking about... I asked Tom to discuss the support systems available for the venues and communities that support experimental acts. How do we do it? How can we support DIY spaces as a community? How can one direct their energy to tangibly sustain the precariousness of these spaces and, by extension, its participants? Yeah, how can you be supportive? For sure, going to the shows is a great way to support them. Or performing at them, I mean, that requires a little bit more legwork and bothering people and saying, can I play this thing? Um, Or volunteering or helping out in some way. But yeah, beyond that, I think there needs to be more people standing up for DIY spaces because I've been in the city for 10 years now and I've seen so many come and go. And it's kind of people just say like, oh, well, like another one will spring up in this place. And like, 
it happens sometimes and sometimes it's a lot slower and we get to like dire situations like this where I'm booking shows at pubs now honestly like to not play bars for the rest of my life but it's the situation I'm in right now where there's just not enough venues but it's kind of it's kind of how it is and I'm really glad for those DIY spaces of which there are a few and if they're safe for everyone to participate in and like if it has good representation of performers but people here pride themselves on being a multicultural society and yet when it comes to a representation in art and music it's so hard to find although i am a bit pessimistic in my work sometimes i will totally admit that it's getting it's getting better and especially from what i've seen in in the last 2 to 3 years people are actually caring about like hey maybe we should, we could have a show with not all white dudes playing maybe <laughs> we could think about this and i i hope i hope the tide is turning That was a live recording of Backseat from a tape called Live and Rare by Tommy Tone. And from order of appearance, we listened to Convolution by Tom Whalen, a clip from We Are Your Friends directed by Max Joseph, Police Theme by New Vaders, a Boiler Room remix by Smooth Effects, Rat Suit by The Boredoms, and another live clip from Tommy Tone with saxophone player Teruto Yamazawa. Thanks for listening.